The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF different, visit fvf.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. On today's show, we're going to review Austin FC's 1-0 win over Minnesota United, along with the weekend report from myself, who was was, uh, there on the ground in Minneapolis. And then we'll also preview the next match against Sporting Kansas City. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, I think we have an obligation to do a a public service announcement here for our listeners. Okay, so this is going to come out on Tuesday, May 4th. Five days from now is Sunday, May 9th, which many of us know as Sporting KC. Yes. Yes. Most of us probably think first of Sporting KC, but if you are a mother or have a mother, it's also Mother's Day. So if you're listening in the next few days, which is when most people do, like now's your chance to get out and and get ahead of the game and do something nice for, for one or more of the mothers in your life for Mother's Day. Also, get out there and uh, let, let's tell Leanne Stuver and Doris Kleeman Happy Mother's Day on Twitter as well. Absolutely. Our, yeah. our favorite Twitter moms out there. <laughs> yeah, the Twitter moms who, who, will, who will like every, every tweet that we have about that. That's good, too. So, <laughs> so no, you, you and Ashley like decided consciously to not have children. And I believe you have nieces that reinforce that decision when they come visit. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not like a permanent decision yet. It might become that one day, but... Uh, yeah, for now, we keep our nieces for one week every summer and decide for the next six months we're not going to have kids. And then the following six months after that, we decide we are going to have kids and then rinse, repeat. <laughs> I love it. It's a good strategy. It's a, about yeah. being in, informed parenting. So does Tito do anything for Ashley for Mother's Day or do you just um, sit that one out? Oh, well, I think, yeah, T- Tito's not very uh, not very considerate of time or or holidays he's also i don't know if we've discussed this on the show he's also a communist and i'm not sure if mother's day would fall into his belief system <laughs> that was true that's like a very capitalist kind of holiday i, I appreciate that <laughs> out of tito sticking to his system um all right so do you want to jump into the game now yeah let's do that or let's um before that, so you went. Is there anything sort of before we get to like lineups and talk about that, about just the weekend itself that you want to share? Yeah, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on. But the Black Heart of St. Paul uh, uh, became one of my favorite places in the world. <laughs> and you you went there a couple of years ago, right? With uh, the Chamber of Commerce trip. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we get to meet uh, Dark Clouds and... I guess Glitterati or whatever the other group was uh, a little bit before the for the match a couple of years ago, but it's a it's a neat place. Can't wait to hear what you think it's, about it. Yeah, it's like uh, so for listeners who don't know, it's uh, like this pub that's out in St. Paul, close to the stadium. It's a five minute walk to the stadium. Uh, Wes Burdine, Burdine. I'm not sure how you say his last name is the owner, but it was before he took it over. It was uh, a gay bar, and I I'm not entirely sure if it was like if the goal was to maintain it being a soccer slash gay bar or if he decided, okay, I'm not gonna like ask the the former patronage to leave this place. And so I'm gonna make it a place where both the soccer fans and the former patrons of this gay bar that were there can coexist and kind of have the same thing. And so like a normal game day, it's not happening right now because of COVID and kind of restrictions on on uh, capacity and things like that. But a normal game day pre-COVID would have consisted of a drag show after the game and like 
piano karaoke in the back room where it's soccer fans and like drag queens and and everybody all in there partying together after the games. And I just think that's like the most fantastic thing ever. And at one point in the evening, so Phil West was also on the trip. Uh, and Phil, he had a friend that was there that lives in Minnesota. And so they had kind of like gone off into this back room, kind of catch up where it's a little quieter. And I had to like go and fetch Phil at one point because they had a, a big projector screen in the main room and the San Jose earthquakes were playing. And then there was this guy there in the bar who was definitely not a soccer fan. I think he's just like a guy who comes to this bar, but he was going over to the jukebox and like drunkenly misspelling the, the title of a Cardi B song to try to get it to play. And then would go over and was dancing in front of the projector screen and I was like, okay, there's a man dancing to Cardi B in front of a, proje a projector that's playing the San Jose Earthquakes. And <laughs> Phil West is the prime demographic for this kind of entertainment. <laughs> and so I had to let like, go get him. And it's like, Phil, you have to come appreciate this with me. You. I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Blackheart was amazing. Wes was great, very welcoming. All of the, the Dark Clouds folks and the Minnesota United fans were super welcoming. Um, Minneapolis, I didn't see much of St. Paul aside from the stadium and, and the black heart, but Minneapolis is really nice. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, older American cities that kind of have an industrial past, uh, are kind of fascinating to me. I think because I grew up in rural Texas, which is as far as like buildings and stuff go is very young, uh, and very new and so to, to go someplace that has this very old like industrial history and these very old buildings and like kind of old charming neighborhoods I, I really enjoyed seeing all that too so i will i'll definitely probably go out of my way to to go to a minnesota uh, a minnesota away game again at some point that sounds like a great experience so one other time that i was in minnesota uh we were at a conference in minneapolis and we we got to go curling which is like you Ooh. know their big sport up there. So maybe maybe that you can do that. Check that out next time. You go a little get a little curling lesson. Which apparently it's just like bowling in the way that you have to have like a beer in one hand at all times to like stay balanced <laughs> while you're doing it. So it's a great great Midwestern sport. So let's, we should probably talk about the game. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and all, another thing I wanted to mention is that this their stadium is it's fantastic. It's really really nice, and it got me really excited to get inside Q2 for a game because I think ours is going to going to either match it if not surpass it as far as what the experience like is there but i was i was very impressed and very happy with with uh, the experience inside the stadium as well so um all right yeah let's jump in and talk about the game so as we mentioned before austin fc won one zero um let's talk about the lineup before we kind of go into breaking down some of the events of the game so i think some of the main changes was that uh pochettino was back we got a a very brief and and non-explanatory announcement last week about essentially not about why he was back, just he's back now. Yeah, the whole yeah the whole statement is uh, Major League Soccer has informed Austin FC that Tomas Pochettino is available for all future competitions. It's the in, the entire <laughs> press release. <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, so. Ended up leaving uh, Pereira out as they left uh, Fagundes. And that, that was one of our big, biggest questions going into the game was what's going to be the midfield three? Um, and they ended up going Ring, Pochettino, and Fagundes. Uh, we found out 
Uh, Adrian Healy said during the broadcast that Pereira was dealing with some plantar fasciitis, which is like a strange foot condition that is very painful. Um, so that may be, may have been one of the reasons why they ended up going with that, that three, um, Matt Beasler stepped in for Julio Cascante, which is another question. Cascante looked really good last week. So we were curious if, if maybe he earned that spot, but, uh, Beasler ended up starting. And then of course, Kolmanich stepped in for sweat. Uh, we finally got a, a diagnosis on Ben sweat last week, which was a torn ACL had surgery either last week or this week. Um, and will very likely miss the entire season. And so very sad uh, for Ben Sweat not to get to play this season, but um, very fortunate to have a, such a, a competent backup as as Kolmanich. Uh He he had his first press conference this week. What did you think of that, Jeremiah? Yeah, I thought he seemed really confident um, for his age. And he talked uh, a lot about, they, they asked him kind of why MLS, because if you're, from that part of the world that's probably not a league that that people are that familiar with and he, he talked a lot about the tempo being a difference and i thought um somebody i don't remember who who it was asked him sort of who he modeled himself after like what other left backs he looked up to and he mentioned alfonso davies and if you're going to have a role model that's a pretty good one to have and the reason that he brought that up is that alfonso davies built his career in mls and then you know is in europe and showing himself out and so he saw that as his best path to you know, ended up in one of the top flight leagues is to come here, play at MLS, prove himself, and then go to Europe. And I think that's a really positive statement for the league too. Yeah, absolutely. That that it's not just um, players from this geographical part of the world who know about MLS and are are, are paying attention to it. It's a twenty year old kid in Slovenia who who is paying attention as well and knows like yeah that's a league that I can go to and make something of myself so I I thought that was uh, that was striking as well and I believe it was Mark Turner who asked that question uh, in the press conference um, and yeah I was you mentioned that him being confident he looks he's got a little bit of like a kind of like a bad boy look to him but he was like actually like pretty polite and and friendly in the press conference which was. I don't know why it was surprising to me, but it kind of was. But, um, but yeah, very, very well spoken. His English is is really good, um, and yeah, seems like he has a good head on his shoulders for such a young kid. So, uh, were there any other? That was oh, I guess the other the other lineup uh, question was going to be right wing. We weren't sure if it would be Redis or Stroud. Stroud ended up starting there. So, um, aside from that, it was it was pretty much as expected. They they looked pretty pretty good from the jump, did they not? Yeah, they they did. And I, in the first half, they had uh, ultimately, I think it was like sixty percent possession in the first half. Yeah. I mean, they they really controlled the ball. It was one of those just overall matches where you feel like you're the better team on the front foot, and um, you just hope that the the connections get made and the goals get scored to where the results sort of prove out the way clubs played. And it, it was nice for that first goal to come at the seventeenth minute. And relieve a little, a little bit of the stress, and give it, give a little bit of ease. Even though, you know, with one goal, you're never quite that comfortable. But also great to see Diego pick that up again, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he can't stop scoring, can he? Um, yeah. So it was. It ended up being a really nice goal as well. So uh, Ring received the ball from a throw in in the defensive half, and played uh, a through ball to Cecilio. It's kind of that same that same look that that cut Colorado to pieces last week was. I don't think it was as effective in this game, but it was still a look that they went back to over and over. It was Cecilio cutting inside and either Ring or Beasler finding him in between the lines there. 
And so Ring finds him about the center circle. He flicks it behind him to Husin. Uh, Husin receives it and turns immediately turns to the to his left towards the right touch line, and kind of holds off Raitala, the the left center back, um, until and Stroud was offside. And I'm not sure if if Husin was was aware of that, and that's why he was kind of delaying it, but. Stroud was offside, and so he waited until Stroud could kind of check his run and get back onside, and then played played Stroud through and played a, played a weighted pass in front of him as he was running up the right wing. Um, Stroud could have taken a touch and kind of driven forward, but instead he just lets it run and starts looking inside and trying to find his options. Yeah, he's looking inside, but let's. I want to rewind and and point out something else that happened a little bit earlier. So, as Cecilio had moved inside and received that ball, Diego Fagundes recognized that a center back had followed him. And so he runs into that space behind where Cecilio had kind of left open. And so he starts his run there. And so that's kind of where this whole play starts to starts to unfold. And so go back to Stroud with the ball in the right wing. He looks up and plays this low curling ball just around Metzenier. Uh, to Diego at the back post, who slots it in past St. Clair. It was that ball was really, really nice. I think maybe Metzenier could have gone to ground and maybe gotten a foot to it, but he was right in front of goal, so any any touch on it would have been really risky and and could have could have ended up in an own goal instead. But overall, just yeah, a really nice goal in, there in the 17th minute. One of the things that I that uh, on the like the ground level replay that they have is you know you talked about Houston holding it off and I'm probably going to criticize him a little bit later on but <laughs> you know he he ends up going to the ground on that play right like he held he held the guy him off like until the last minute and eventually like goes down I mean he he played that as well as he he could play it I I think which I didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't pick up in the moment but um on on that replay you could really tell that because they had like that really tight low shot of exactly what happened and where the ball was that they posted on I think on Twitter today. Yeah, yeah, and he and he needed, like I said, Stroud was offside, so he needed to hold it until that last moment so he could get back on. So yeah, that was really good work by uh, by Houston on that play for sure. Um, I think the next moment of note was in the thirty first minute. Uh, Babella Reynoso ended up hitting the post. He dribbled through a few players, played a one two with Avila, the center forward, and hit it with his left foot. Matt Beasler slides in right at the right moment as, as he's as he's wont to do, right? Like always putting the foot in the right spot at the right moment, gets a toe to it, barely gets a toe to it, and pushes it to the right post. Um Stuver's outstretched as far as he can get, covers as much of the goal as he can. I don't he might have saved it if Beasler wouldn't have got there, but it would have been close. But uh yeah, Beasler's toe is what ends up put, putting it on the post, comes off the post, bounces off of Stuver uh, and kind of gets away to safety for someone to clear it. But that was a very close call. Um, Reynoso, what Phil West and I were talking before the game started and we're like, let's watch and see if they maybe man mark Reynoso and try to do something different um, during the game to see if like to try to minimize what he's doing and that was really one of the few like really dangerous moments that he had but Austin didn't change anything to as to what they were doing they played exactly the way that they did against Colorado last week defensively which i think is um i think that's an interesting thing to see is that Josh Wolf is is not going to change his system 
based because they have one good player. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it shows that he believes in his system and believes in what they're trying to do. And uh, Ring said in the post-match press, post-match press conference, essentially said like, "No, I actually I think this was." No, it was it was post match. Post match, they asked him about playing against Reynoso, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I didn't really pay any special attention to him. We just played the system." Was was his quote? Yeah. So Ring said that then uh, last week in the midweek press conference with Diego Fagundes, in one of his his answers in Spanish, he said, "A good team doesn't change the way they play uh, to suit another team. We want them to have to think about how they're going to play against us. We're going to play how we're going to play, and." like let them deal with that part of it. Like we're not thinking about what they're doing. We're going to think about what we do and focus on doing that really well and let them worry about changing their plan around us. And so all of that, I I thought rung really true during the game is like, Nope, this is how we play. This is what we're going to do. Reynoso can do whatever he does and was pretty limited. He, like I said, that one dangerous moment, a great player is going to create that moment no matter what. Uh, But for him to only have one in the 60, 60 or so minutes that he played was was really well done by Austin. Uh, then in the, I think the next moment, the 41st minute, uh, you mentioned criticizing Hoosen. <laughs> uh, Jared Stroud put in a cross uh, for Hoosen towards the back post. Um, it was a little bit high and he tried to reach up with his foot and play it with his foot. And ended up kicking it straight over the goal from about six yards out, pretty close to the center of the goal, and kicked it over the goal. He sh- he probably should have just like kind of crouched down and put his head on it and just deflected it into the goal. But um, but yeah, that was not a great moment there. Um, I think that was most of the main main highlights from the first half. Uh, about the sixty third minute. Um, is when we make a triple substitution. Gallagher, Redes, and Pereira come in for Husin, Dominguez, and Fagundes. Uh, and I, really in this in the second half, like you said, in the first half, Austin, I think at one point had sixty one percent possession. They kind of gave some of that up in the second half, but um, there weren't really there. There were a few dangerous moments from Minnesota uh, in the eighty third minute. Minute Patrick Wea. Um, who may or may not be Tim Weah's cousin in a developing story <laughs> on Twitter that we can link to. Yeah, <laughs> may or may not be Tim Weah's cousin. Um, someone crossed it into him and Romagna was there ready to to head it away. And Weah just runs straight through Romagna and hit him pretty hard um, and plays a pretty, a pretty strong header into the ground. And Stuver does really good to step over and block it. Uh, and then I think in the 95th minute, uh, Jimenez cleared a ball through to Redes, um, who was in kind of on his own. He rides a challenge and then plays a shot that beats the keeper to the far post and smacks the, the post dead on and it bounces straight back out. But um, there are a few chances. I, I thought it could have been, I don't know, two or three goals uh, if, if Austin had finished a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, they ended up seeing it out, um, enough to make it like a little bit nervy and a little bit scary, but still never to a point that they didn't look mostly in control of the game. Yeah. So I want to go back to another Reynoso shot that you skipped and that was in the 53rd minute when he hit, when he hit a fan 
Did you, oh. did you see that? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't catch this in this in the stadium at the time. Um, I remember the shot, but I didn't like I didn't notice that it hit a fan right in the, in his face. But uh, yeah, we found out on Twitter later that he's perfectly okay. Actually, the black cart. Twitter account posted a photo of him sitting at the bar with a beer in his hand and said that he's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, he was fine. I guess he's a Liverpool fan and he had gone down there the next morning for the <laughs> Liverpool match. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a guy. I think he's in the leadership of Dark Clouds. So it was sitting in the second row of, of Wonderwall and caught one. Yeah, straight to the face. Didn't go down. Did a good job of grabbing like that safe that safe standing yeah. railing and staying up. But he's fine. Didn't drop his flag. Didn't nope. fall down. He's good. Guy's a trooper. He's in mid-season form. I could. I was trying to look his name up, and and it's not on Twitter. Somehow Texas is in his like Twitter handle. But good for him. He caught caught a ball in the face and survived. Um, in, in a moment of levity. Oh, so he picked up the win one nil. Um, Landon, you were there. What was it like uh, in the stands? I imagine it was a little bit of a different experience because we talked about capacity. It it looked pretty pretty light as far as like what the, what were the, what they were allowing in. Yeah, I want to say it ended up being like around 5,000 uh, that were there in the stadium. Everyone was spaced out pretty pretty big. We had like pretty much most of a section for the Austin fans, and I think there was like 15 to 18 of us in the whole section. So, um, yeah, it was pretty light. Uh, the Minnesota fans did, did their best to still make it a, a decent atmosphere. Like it's never going to be what it should be with that few – few fans in there but um but again like i said the the stadium's really nice we were in probably like one of the the quote unquote worst sections in the stadium but still had really good views like the my only real complaint with the view is that it was a little bit too far from the opposite side to tell who the subs were when they were coming in and so like when Jimenez subbed in uh for Stroud towards the end of the game I couldn't really tell who it was. I was like, I think it's Jimenez, but I really don't know. But other than that, like the view is really good, which again, comparing that to what Austin stadium is going to look like, I don't think there's going to be a bad seat in the house, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun just to be able to see the team in person. I really wanted to make a point to see them play in person before they came back home and played at Q2. Uh, so check did that. Um, did Jared Stroud's mom hang out with y'all at some point? Oh yeah. Story on that. Yeah, so there was uh, most of the people in the Little Austin section, we knew who they were, like at least had met or like knew they were going to be there. And then I see these people wearing some Austin FC gear that I'd never seen before. Nobody seems to really be talking to them. So I walk over, he's like, hey, what's your names? I'm Landon. And they're like, oh, we're, uh, I wish I could remember their names now and I can't, but um, it was just like, they acted like it was like a like a youth soccer game. And it's like, oh yeah, we ca- we came in from New Jersey. Our son plays on the team. <laughs> it's like, I know who your son is. You can say his name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, ended up talking to them for a while before the game, and then at halftime. But it was it was just like really really funny to me, just because parents of athletes are parents of athletes, no matter what level or what age they're at. <laughs> That they just like look so nervous during the game, but then we're like so proud to talk to talk to us about it. And uh, after at the end of the game, the players came over to where we were, um, and a bunch of people, a bunch of the Austin fans, ran down to the front there to to get closer to them. And I, I posted a video of that from the uh, the Moon Tower Soccer account. But um, but yeah, it was it was just a really nice nice experience. Just a little a little taste uh, of what we're gonna get to see whenever 
capacity gets better and we get the players back at home. But uh, overall, it was it was a great experience. And and to get the win, I would have been happy anyway. But to get the win and get to see that win and and such a a solid performance overall, it was really really nice. No, that's that's great. And that stadium does remind me a little bit design wise of Q2 with with a wrap around it. I mean, I know it's got a different architect and stuff because I looked that up at first to see maybe if it maybe if it was a Gensler design, just like LAFC and this is like the tip up for their stadiums and it's not and it was somebody else, but it has a similarish feel, I think. Kind Don't of you the, get that? the the footprint of the stands is very similar whereas like the the layout of the like what would be the west side of of Q2 kind of like those premium seats, the layout of all of that looks very similar. And then like the upper and lower deck proportions on the east side look very similar. The supporter section is shaped differently. Um, but then the side opposite the supporter section looks almost identical to Austin's. Maybe the corners are different, but uh overall, yeah, the footprint of the seats is is very similar. Yeah, and it's and they have a beer hall. I mean, it's a giant beer hall that opens in and out both ways, but that's their I guess the equivalent to our north end. I don't even I think it's maybe their south end, because I think the stadium's flipped. But uh, that's where their bar is, too. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have the inside of the beer hall open, so you could still go and order beers from the outside of the beer hall. But they didn't weren't letting anybody into that inside part there. Yeah, gotcha. And then one thing that I really enjoyed, like Saturday night, because I was just watching it at home, was like watching all the videos from Hop Squad again of the match party. I don't know if you like saw those the next day, but it's, yeah, I saw a few of them. Yeah. If you want a little bit of joy in your life, even now I've done that going back this morning and watch those is like checked out just how, you know, how, how much fun and how much excitement there were. And so Diego Fagundes, his wife and daughter apparently came and Diego's daughter <laughs> had a Jersey with his number and like the words daddy on the back, which is like the sweetest <laughs> possible thing. And apparently they had a good time too. So yeah, that, that was really cool to see, you know, pick up another win. Now, um, in fourth place in the Western Conference, I believe, if that's right. And what yeah. would have would have been a US Open Cup qualifier if the US Open Cup existed too, I think. So what are some of the kind of the narratives of the game that st- that stand out to you um after having watched it again? Well, I mean, number one, Alex Ring is incredibly vital to the system and the team. And it's Good even Lord. even better than believe than than I think advertised. Like I didn't I mean, I was excited, but I hadn't watched a lot of NYCFC. You know, I just knew he was like a really good player. But I mean, he's incredible. Can you? Why don't you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I. So after the last episode, I like felt a little bit bad and feel like we should almost be reprimanded for it. But we almost like after two games, we're almost taking Alex Ring for granted. I don't think we even said his name really on the last episode of the podcast we're just like oh yeah Alex Ring was amazing of course he was and didn't even really talk about him but the man is fantastic and yeah like you said I I knew he was going to be good but he's like if he continues doing what he's doing throughout like consistently throughout the season people will be talking about him as one of the best midfielders in MLS uh definitely the best sixes in MLS and there are some good sixes in MLS. Some of them are getting a little bit older. And so I think this is Ring's kind of opportunity to step in to the kind of the hole that maybe an Ozzy Alonso or uh, Diego Chara is still, still doing really well. But I think people will be mentioning Alex Ring later in the season in the same breath as those guys if he if he continues to perform consistently as well as he has in these first three games. 
Yeah, and I wish we. I'm looking at this chart. I wrote that we put in the notes with the uh, the 15 recoveries he made, but I don't remember who it came from. Now, do you remember? Uh, who I believe that, that was uh, Jason Poon posted oh, yeah. that he. It was the this little. I think they call it the chalkboard on MLSsoccer.com's little stats pages that you can click through and find various stats, and it'll kind of map it out in the field. Uh, but I believe Jason Poon was the one who posted that screenshot and showed it. But Alex Ring had 15 recoveries um, throughout the 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 course of the game, which is really, really good. I think I had some other stats on him, too. So, OK, so Austin finished the game with 55 percent possession. Uh, I got on whoscored.com, which also does some cool like stats visualizations. And you you can do possession by player. And so you can see like this player had X percent of all possession in the game. Alex Ring had 10% of the possession in the game. The next highest one was Matt Beasler with 6.2%. And most people were like two to 3% range. And I I was like, I hadn't looked at that stat ever before. And I looked up just like what's normal. And Edward Atuesta usually has like anywhere from six to eight percent for an LA in an LAFC game. And so for Alex Ring to have 10% of total possession in the game just kind of shows you how important he is to the offense and how how he really is the focal point of everything that Austin does. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about him being in the post-game interview, and he used the word ruthless. He said that he was disappointed the club wasn't more ruthless in the first half and picking up with another goal, and he had a pretty good chance too, um, which I don't think we've really seen before. And he, I mean, he made the most of it, but... Um, it was good to see him contributing on the offensive side of the ball too. Yeah. And he, I mean, he does contribute on the offensive side, but it's usually more of like kind of starting moves. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nice to see him to get a chance in the attacking third there. Uh, another stat that I found is he's currently leading the league in passes per game with 77.7. Um, and I believe there's some other people in the seventies, but there's only like a handful of people who are even in the seventies as far as passes per game go and then is second in the league in tackles per game with 5.3 right now. So, uh, again, Alex ring is the boss. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. And if you uh, want to listen to his whole story, um, uh, the Verde black Verde and black podcast is the, like the official club podcast, Adrian Healy hosts. And he did 37 minutes with Alex ring, um, on last week's show and talks about his like whole journey from being the, I don't remember this story exactly, but like when he was a kid, he would take like a cab an hour and a half each way to like go to practice and like do his schoolwork in the back of it. And just, you really appreciate like what his commitment is and like what it probably takes to play at that level. Um, and he talked about how much he loved it. And I love how much he talks about the boys. You know, I'm not here for the boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here to support the boys. And he did it a lot in the podcast and he did it in the post game interview too. But to think about them just as like a bunch of, he and he talked about like only playing this game as long as he loves it, and he very much does, you know. And just think about this being like a grown up playing a, a kid's sport is like really, I think, positive and endearing out of him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend that. I really enjoyed that episode as well. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention in the as far as like kind of narrative things about the game is Austin's depth. I didn't really think about us as being like a really deep team, but the last two games have showed that, that they really are. And to, to be able to have 
uh, a guy like Danny Pereira, as well as, as well as he's done in these first two games, to bring a guy like that off the bench, to bring Rodney Reyes off the bench, as good as as they've both both looked in the first two games, that's a luxury. Like that's really, really just a really great asset to have on your team. Uh, which is another another reason why it's it's a shame to have uh, Ben Sweat go down because I think as as well as Kolmanich has done in in his the two games that he's played quite a bit in I think there's a chance that maybe he wins that starting spot eventually anyway or at least would have been competing for it and to have those two guys as options uh, at that left back position would have been amazing but um, but yeah really impressed with Kolmanich and just again really impressed with with the depth overall um i also wanted to talk about cecilio the minnesota fans did not like him <laughs> at all <laughs> it's just from that one i mean he kind of took a a bit of a dive or a bit of a flop like early but that was the i only remember that being like a like a one-time occurrence was that it no it happened several times okay. it didn't show as much on tv um so I'll say in the stadium, I thought that he was like milking it more than I thought he did after watching the TV broadcast again. And so like if you only watch the TV broadcast, you would think that, okay, he got like hit really hard several times and they were like kind of targeting him after a little while. But you didn't necessarily see him just like laying down and kind of milking it the rest of the time. And and there in the stadium... I saw him milking it, but I didn't realize how hard he got hit a few of those times and like some pretty painful tackles. And so I think it was a little of both. Um, I think he did milk it, but I do also think that they were targeting him. And that very first one early on, he got taken out really hard. And I think it was Boxall that hit him, but it was bone crunching tackle. And as he was trying to receive it in midfield, but, um, yeah, it's I don't how how do you feel about that? Like what are what are your thoughts on on kind of making a meal of those situations? I, I don't I don't I don't love it, but I don't have that I don't know. I've watched a lot of CONCACAF Champions League in the last few weeks, which is like sort of the signature move of that entire tournament. So maybe I'm a little bit jaded by it, but um I mean that that one hit, at least in the twelfth minute, was like was serious. Man, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um Cecilio ended up coming off fairly early. Yes. It was he was in that group at sixty, sixty three, or sixty four. Yeah, sixty three, sixty four. Yeah. Um, and Wolf said in the post match pre- post match press conference, somebody asked like, "What was your thinking in bringing Cecilio off?" And he essentially said like, "We were kind of protecting him because he had gotten a little bit of a knock in on that tackle and was kind of walking a little bit gingerly a few other times." And so they're like, "Okay, this is enough. We're going to take him off right now." Um. But yeah, the the Minnesota fans afterwards, we, we went to the Black Heart before the game and went into the stadium and then went back to the Black Heart after the game. And a lot of the Minnesota fans were like, oh, yeah, y'all played really good tonight, except for number 10. What's his name? <laughs> oh, Screw that guy. <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, it's, he's learning the league. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. I feel like that's not, not as common in MLS as it might be in other places he's played. But going back to the, the CONCACAF point, um, if there is a competitive advantage to be had by maybe doing that every once in a while, I'm not going to complain that we have a guy on our team who's yeah. good at it. <laughs> did, did you? We don't want to get too far afield, but did you see? Did you see the guy like roll back onto the field 
in in Concacaf Champions League. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't I don't I don't remember which match it was. So I don't want to be wrong, but like that was like just peak, um, sort of taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, it got tackled on the sideline and was laying out of bounds and rolled back onto the field <laughs> to receive medical attention on the field. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah. What what were some other things that stood out to you in the game? Uh, let's talk about Brad Stuver. Man, he's been um, pretty impressive. Uh, recorded our first clean sheet in history. Um, he had the one big save he talked about. I mean, I think the only he had a really really terrible punch early in the match, which is probably yeah. his only only down moment. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. There was that moment. Um, he uh, collided with Chase Gasper on a corner, and that was a pretty pretty nasty collision too. But I think he just got the breath knocked out of him. Um, but yeah, overall, good distribution. Good. Uh, he'd he'd make a save and get the ball out really quick into a useful area to one of the left backs or to ring. Um, some some pretty good saves. Showed pretty good command of the box on set pieces, except for that one moment that you were talking about. Um, but yeah, overall, another really solid performance from, from Stuver, which, uh, yeah, I don't, I think if you'd have asked us a week before the season started, if we were all going to be very confident with our goalkeeping situation, you'd have said we were crazy, but he's, he's been fantastic. Well, yeah, we would have, we would have said our goalkeeping situation is going to be Andrew Tarbell and maybe he's going to be good or maybe not who knows um so yeah that has really changed so let's talk about this harry potter thing and i don't think we're like <laughs> the people qualified to talk about that at all do do you have some of the background or should i do my best to like work through this or i i think i, I so we were talking to to wes at the black heart about this and he kind of gave us the story oh, okay so good well why don't you i think this do goes th- this goes back to like um to like the early, like the USL days of, of the Minnesota teams. But I think it's like a tradition there of, of like finding creative ways to taunt goalkeepers. And so a lot of times they'll like do research uh, about the goalkeeper and like find some things about their past or something. And as they started digging into Brad Stuver, they're like, oh, this guy kind of rocks. Like we like him. <laughs> and so like the best they could do was to go find a tweet from 2011 about Harry Potter. And there was like quite a few tweets about Harry Potter. And so they like posted it and said, Hey, everyone go find this tweet from 10 years ago where Brad Stuver tweeted about Harry Potter and start liking and commenting on it just to kind of like freak him out a little bit. Like, why is this happening right now? And it just became like this whole string of, of Harry Potter jokes and Harry Potter puns. And so we, we get to the black cart before the game and it says the black cart. Brad Stuver is a squib, which I had to get that explained to me, but it's like a kid of a wizard who's not magical. And so it's like essentially saying you're a total disappointment. <laughs> and so we uh, we took a picture with it and none of us knew anything about Harry Potter. And so Katie, Katie Ensign was on the trip with us and she was like, who knows anything about Harry Potter? And they were trying to brainstorm Harry Potter jokes. And we're like, we don't know anything about Harry Potter. And so I think she ended up calling Chris Bills on the phone <laughs> because he is a Harry Potter fan and got got some background to, to like make a funny tweet about it. But um, yeah, they essentially like couldn't find any dirt on him. And the black cart ended up tweeting 
Turns out Austin FC goalkeeper Brad Stuver is an athlete ally, um, which is a, an organization he's a part of. And then the quote below was, the only thing more open than your mind is your goal, Brad. <laughs> and so they said that they are going to find uh, a charity to donate $100 to every goal that uh, that Brad Stuver let in. And so I think they ended up asking some some Austin folks on on Twitter, and Brian Mangum point, pointed them towards Out Youth, which is um, an organization that has that has been connected to to several like kind of charities that soccer community has done over the last few years. So that was cool to see that, and they ended up giving I think two hundred dollars anyway. And they said something like, uh, "Brad Stuver hates charity and didn't let any let it, didn't let any goals in." So we went ahead and and made a donation anyway. Which again, one of the the many reasons that I've already stated that I love the Blackheart for, but that was really cool. Yeah, and and one of the other many reasons that we all love Brad Stuver too. That like one that Harry Potter is the most scandalous thing that you can find about him, um, and then that he like the first thing you think about is is donating money to charity too. And I was I thought I heard that he was, um, during the match that he like was leading the league in saves, and now look that he's he's second too. So I mean he's oh wow he's he's doing this you know. He's under pressure and he's doing a good job under pressure. It's not like he's just yeah. having to sit back and, you know, hang out because like yeah. nobody's, Le- leading, nobody's attacking the goal. Leading the league in saves is not necessarily a good <laughs> right, thing. It means right. people are shooting shots at you regularly, but he's making them for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I also saw on Twitter that the guy who got hit in the face with the ball, he said something about Stuver checking on him afterwards. <laughs> so, like even during the middle of a game, he he takes the time to to check on a guy who just got smashed in the face with the the Villa Reynoso shot. <laughs> well, um, so do you wanna you wanna talk about a couple negatives, or do you wanna maybe just give overall impressions? Where should we go next? Um, let's talk about one more one more thing, and then let's go to some listener questions from okay. Twitter after that. So, okay. uh, let's talk about finishing and strike strikers but finishing in general so uh i saw a lot of negative comments about danny Houston on twitter again afterwards i think this time it's not entirely fair i don't i don't think it's been entirely fair for the whole season but i think this game specifically danny Houston did some really useful stuff um and so i think to to criticize everything he did is is unfair. His movement was was pretty good. Did some good hold up work, including uh, the build up to that goal. Should have finished the one chance, so that one does deserve criticism. Um, but I think one one fair point is that he only had one shot the whole game, uh, which I understand that in this system, it's not necessarily going to be his place to take all of the shots like you would expect a number nine in a lot of systems to do, but he needs to have more than one usually. And if he does get one, you want him to finish it and not kick it over the goal from six yards out. And so I think that's a fair part of the criticism. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. I think that carries on the trend uh, that he's had for the season. I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe he's had three shots total. So, I mean, it's the same. I mean, I think, you know, in some ways, yeah, he does a lot of good job. He does a good job of working back. Um, but it just—I don't. It's not my system. Obviously, Josh knows it a lot better than me. But it seems odd that he's not more involved in the offense and not, you know, getting more opportunities and then and not converting the few ones he has. You know, Joe Lowry put out the uh, this sort of pass network from um, last night on Twitter too, which 
wait, not from last night, from Saturday on Twitter too, which looked uh, pretty amazing as far as just the balance um, among all the passing, but there's just not a lot going into Danny. It's like the thinnest line on the whole chart. Yeah, and if you look at like numbers of touches and things like that, our front three didn't have a ton of touches on the ball, which is normal. They're they're going to be the people who get the fewest anyway. But uh, in, yeah, in this system, you would like to see those lines a little bit on this pass chart a little bit thicker going to going to old Danny there. Um, but yeah, finishing overall is something that that needs to be better. Um, not just by Husen, but there was a few other chances as well that that. I think we could have had three goals pretty easily if just finishing had been better. Let's jump into some Twitter questions. All right. So uh, first one from Landry Felkel. He says, thoughts on Jared Stroud's performance these last two games. To me, he's put in an incredible amount of effort and had a bunch of opportunities, but just hasn't come up with one himself. Obviously, he got an assist for Diego Fagundes in the past game, which is great. Um yeah, I think maybe not getting a lot of opportunities, but the creation has been really good. I think he had uh he has two assists so far. Yeah. Yes, he yeah, he said he's had two already on what, four goals total? Yeah. And I think he had two of our shots on target uh against Minnesota as well. Um but he's like I don't, after watching him play in preseason, I didn't really expect him to be the kind of creative player that he is. And he, he's not a creative player in the traditional sense of, of using the word creative. Like when you look at Babelo Reynoso, you think he's a creative player, but he does it with kind of these little flicks and tricks and like tricky dribbling and, and clever passes. Stroud does it with just work and speed and, and being in the right spot and like smart movements um, and so he just like the way he plays, it doesn't look like someone you would ever describe as creative, but he does create a lot of chances. And so I think Stroud's done great. I think in the post-match interview with, with Wolf, he's really high in Stroud and really likes him as well. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if he keeps that starting spot on the right wing, um, for, for a while until he needs resting or something like that, because I think Wolf is really high on him and I think he's deserved it. His Defensive work is really good. His pressing is really good. And then just as how useful he is and how worrisome he is to, de- to defenses on the attacking half of the ball as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I love the idea of Stroud, like Stroud and Redis, like splitting 90 minutes where they're just running at people and causing trouble doing that with Stroud starting. And uh, in the post game, Josh talked about all those things. You know, he called him awesome last week and he had a different set of things to say this week but he talked about how just his like effort and his tirelessness uh were he said it was infectious across the entire field both offensively and defensively and so it's not only just what he's doing on the right side of the attack but the way that he has like that effect on on other people on the field which is the highest compliment you can probably pay him yeah last week he said stroud's awesome and this week he said he's a machine (laughs) (laughs) That, that's a pretty good indicator he's probably going to keep his spot in the starting lineup when your coach is talking about you in that way after every post game. Yeah. Um, like I said before, though, Rodney looked good when he came on, and he he ended up playing on the left. So this was the first time we had seen those two guys on the field at the same time. Uh, but Rodney looked good playing on the left, and then he ended up switching over whenever Jimenez came in, and Jimenez was playing on the left wing. But 
Um, but yeah, like I said, the luxury of having a guy as good as Rodney Red is to come off the bench. I'm happy with that. Like, like, of course, like I'm sure Rodney would like to be starting, but if he knows he's going to get a good 30 minutes every time as well, I think that's, that's pretty good too. Uh, this next question is from Joshua Scoggin. He says thoughts on Romania's performance. I think this was his best game yet. Um, and what changes do you think Wolf could be making against Sporting KC to polish off our connection slash finishing in the final third? So uh, to answer the second question first, I don't know if there's anything Wolf can do to make our players finish better. The the chances were there. I think we had 13 shots this game, which is a lot higher than, than what we did in uh, the first couple of games, I think. And so we're, we're making those chances. The players just need to finish them. Hopefully that will come with just like getting into a bit more form and fitness and just settling into the season a little bit. But um, I don't think there's anything Wolf can do to make the players finish better. They just need to start finishing better. Uh, on Romagna, I thought Romagna was fantastic. What did you think? Yeah, I did too. I think he's really, really settled in and uh, alleviate, alleviated a lot of the concerns that I think people had in the preseason I mean, he looks he looked more comfortable i thought um and this one maybe it was just the difference between you know seeing it in person and seeing it on on tv or whatever but even last week we talked about this last week with even some of the balls he like played out to lima and the connection was kind of bad like it still seemed like a little bit of an adventure but i think he just has seems to have settled into his role and become indispensable a little bit in only three matches yeah for sure um we we mentioned early on and maybe after the first game that Romagna has the physical tools to be a very good center back in MLS. He's starting to show those mental tools as well. Um, confidence, calmness, and then also playing really smart. A lot of times uh, he's, he's not like he's usually playing safer passes and the more adventurous passes are coming from Beasler on the other side, but several times where he was, really aware and was able to step up and and cut out a ball by kind of charging forward. There was one time where a ball was kind of like trickling through the box and he did a really good job just to kind of body the player off with really smart positioning and strength and let the ball run out for a goal kick instead of uh, trying to clear it and putting it out for a corner or like getting a dangerous dangerous throw in from from an attacking position there. Um, so I thought, yeah, his his awareness and just making really smart decisions was something that we didn't necessarily see early on. That's starting to come along now. So I'm really happy with Romagna's performance. Um, and I think Chris Bills said this on Twitter yesterday, but he said that Austin is kind of like a, a soccer mullet that they're uh, business on the right party on the left. And so you've got like Stroud, who's like this very like working class winger. And then, Lima tends to stay a little bit deeper um, on the right side and a more defensive right back. Uh, then Romagna is playing like safer passes there and is like the more like kind of the bruiser defensive uh, defensive center back there. And on the left side, you got Beasler playing playing those long passes. Kolmanich is doing a lot more overlapping and attacking, and then Dominguez is kind of just going wherever he wants to find space. And so I th that's a really interesting way to put it, but it's pretty true that the right side is a bit more structured and the left side is kind of the creative half of the field. Yeah, it is. And um, one thing I didn't know, but like that's where the right side, those guys have played every single minute. So Romagna, Lima, 
Ring and Stuver are the four people we've had that have played every single minute of all three matches so far. So he's he's definitely made himself a mainstay there um, on that side, if if nothing other than based upon that fact. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any other spots you want to hit on this game before we jump into uh, previewing the Sporting Kansas City game? Well, Andrew Urban asked some questions, but I think we answered them all. Um, and then you mentioned Katie Ensign, and I feel like we never acknowledge her um, <laughs> as a listener who gives her lots of good ideas, and she maybe has complained. No, she hasn't complained. She's she's pointed out that she hasn't gotten credit for that. So this feels like a good shot, a uh, good spot to like shout out Katie for being uh, you know big a key part of the community and like the queen of away travel. Um, before we move on to talking about Kansas City. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with Katie this weekend. Um, her and Roma were staying pretty close to where me and Ashley were staying. And so we ended up hanging out with them a lot of the weekend. We had a lot of fun, including inventing a disease at one point. There's like uh, Minneapolis was the flour mill capital of of the world at one point. Like most flour in, in the Americas was milled in Minneapolis. <laughs> And so we were walking past the old Pillsbury mill and I was trying to think of a stupid joke of like, what's the disease that, that factory workers would have died from in a, in a Pillsbury flour mill. And the first thing that came to my mind was biscuit lung. <laughs> <laughs> and so that became like kind of the joke of the weekend was like different variations of biscuit lung that and was like what that would be like and what the symptoms would be. That was but, the other question, Landon. I forgot. The other question on Twitter oh. that we didn't address was Katie asked you to talk about biscuit lung, so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> biscuit lung. Yeah, we were trying to think of what um yeah, what the what the symptoms would be. If if you guys have any any uh ideas for what symptoms of biscuit biscuit lung might be, let us know on Twitter. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and right after that, we'll be back to preview the game against Sporting Kansas City next week. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out more about what makes FEF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. Okay, we are back to talk about the game this coming Sunday against Sporting Kansas City. So, Jeremiah, tell us a little bit about how Sporting KC did in 2020. Sporting KC's been pretty good for the last 10, about 10 years or so. They made the playoffs nine of the last 10 seasons. They missed it in 2019. A lot of that came with their move to the new stadium in 2011, which uh, I'd forgotten about. It was called Livestrong Park, I think, Mm. for the first couple years after they built it, and then there may have been some scandal related to a certain Austin-based uh, bicycle bicyclist who like caused them to change that. So it's now what children's 
Mercy. Uh, Children's Mercy. Children's Children's Mercy Park, yeah. Uh, but in 2020, they won their group at MLS's back, uh, lost in the second knockout round to Philadelphia, I believe on penalties, but they actually they finished first in the regular season in the Western Conference, um, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, good result for them, but they made the playoffs and lost in the conference semifinals 3-0 to Minnesota United, who we played uh, last week. So good season overall. Um, didn't have a huge set of off-season changes. Um, I think, obviously, Matt Beasler left. I think it was the first time since they were with the Kansas City Wizards that they didn't have a Beasler on the team. Yeah. Yeah, he's was there forever. Um I, that's really the only is that the only outgoing like outgoing player of note? Yeah, that that was the big outgoing player of note. They had a defensive mid, I'm forgetting the name of now too, um that left, but they their additions were sort of direct replacements um for them. When you when you look at their key additions, so I mean their their big strength is their front line. I think their shakiness is their defense. Uh, when they're all healthy, uh, Polito, Russell, and Austin's own Kyrie Shelton make them very strong. So last year they were seven zero and zero when all three of those players started together. Uh, this past week, the three of them started together for the first time and they lost. So that's not like a permanent kind of statistic. Um, <laughs> I think Russell and Pulido were both coming off of injury though and didn't play in the first two games so you might be able to to sh- like scratch that out to just them not being completely fit yet but those two guys are very very good whenever they're on. Yep, and their big offseason additions were a center back um Nicolas Isimot Marine maybe it's probably wrong. <laughs> uh who has played in a lot of uh he's a league one veteran um started two matches but we think he's hurt he started the first two didn't play in the third and so we may or may not see him um against austin but you know generally they're expected to be a playoff team if you look at the mlssoccer.com projections almost everybody had him you know anywhere between fifth and seventh and making it i believe that you phil and i all three on our preview show pick them to make the playoffs in the Western Conference? I picked them pretty high. I think I had them top three or four um, in my preview. So, yeah, I I was pretty high on I, – I, I just really like watching them play. Um, and so maybe I just, like, want them to do a little bit better. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think this is a team that, if they play up to their potential, could be a very, very good team. And I think it just kind of depends on on it all kind of – um, gelling together in in the right ways, and then also with keeping, like you you mentioned, those those front three healthy. If uh, Pulido can stay healthy, I think he's one of the best uh, center forwards in the league. And Johnny Russell is, I again, if he's healthy and on, I think he's one of the one of the best attacking players in the league as well. Yeah, we hear that a lot about Pulido. Do you want to talk a little more? You talk talk maybe a little more about him. You know, he seems to, he's got like a ton of potential and he hasn't necessarily put it all together in MLS, but I mean, he can I'm, be a special I'm, player. When he was healthy last season, he was, he was fantastic and did a really good job, but he just wasn't healthy for a lot of it. And so, um, he's a really good finisher, but also does like, if you look at him, he just, he looks like a center forward. Like he's kind of a big guy. But he's actually really good at kind of dropping in and doing connective play and and kind of doing some playmaking as well. So 
I think that's what makes him dangerous is that he can do both and you kind of have to you have to stay honest. If, if he drops in, you need to follow him because he's going to do something dangerous from there. But also if he's just doing kind of normal number nine stuff, you have to stay honest there as well because he's also very dangerous in the box. So, um, And then Johnny Russell, I, I think he's a lot of fun to watch as well. Uh, just a really talented winger, really good playmaker, uh, fast, strong, uh, and, and can again, can kind of do it all. So, um, like I said, they were coming off of injury last week and didn't do so hot last week or last weekend. But if they turn it on this coming weekend, could be really dangerous and, and difficult to play against for sure. Yeah, and I watched a match, match last week and they were pro- they were in control for kind of the first 30 minutes or so. And this, um, they got a young guy named Gianluca Busio who's uh picked up the number 10 this season, but he's only 18. I mean, he looks super dangerous, uh, and he looked really good. So for the, for the first half hour, um, they conceded one in the first half, and then I think two to Ru- Rubio Rubin in the second half, and it was a little bit of a mess. But, I mean, there, you can see the potential there. Um, and, like, Busio was all over the place and really threatening, and I can imagine he could make a lot of trouble for us this week too. Yeah, he's uh, he's a guy who, he, like you said, he's only 18, but he's been in there – like he's been making appearances for two seasons now and last season was like kind of turned it on and was, was a regular starter, but I think they're kind of looking to him to, to really be an important player this year. Uh, and I, I really like this kid. He's, I, I love that. He's, I think he's from South Carolina. His name's Gianluca Busio, this super Italian name, but he's from somewhere like East coast, like coastal Carolinas or, Virginia or somewhere and he talks like he's from there like he's got a like a southern <laughs> accent and a guy named John Luca Busio speaking with a southern american accent is is a pretty fantastic thing um but yeah i i think he's really good and again like he's he's young and hasn't been consistent but i think he could he could really have a breakout season and a lot of people are expecting him to be sold to europe uh either sometime this year or maybe after this season the one thing I wanted to add on from the RSL match after they lost, because we talked about this a little bit last week. So RSL has decided to have a new goalkeeper tradition. Um, <laughs> after the controversy last week with Ochoa kicking the ball into the Minnesota end. And did that come up when you were in Minnesota? Did anybody talk about that? It did. They were pretty mad about that, too. <laughs> I told... Uh, I ended up like talking to a guy who seemed to be like a pretty hardcore supporter on the way, like walking back to the black heart after the game. And then we started talking about it. And I was like, honestly, I thought that whole thing was pretty funny. And he, he didn't seem to be very amused by any of it, but it did come up quite a few times that, uh, that they weren't very happy with how that all went down. So now with RSL, Ochoa is going to ceremonially launch a, lightly launch a ball into the stand into into their own supporter section to celebrate <laughs> uh a post-game victory so he did that for the first time uh after they beat sporting kc but i mean i think it'll be it'll be a tough match i mean i, I think there's a ton of, they've got a ton of potential to score i mean they can score from anywhere i think it'll be a really good test from our defense um I mean, they seem fast which i think is the thing we haven't seen a lot of so um i mean obviously we hope we get the result we want but it, it'll be a good challenge and maybe the one of the biggest ones we've had so far after LAFC. Yeah, I, I think that's true. They can create from in a lot of different ways. They can also counter on you pretty, pretty quickly, depending on who those front three end up being. But 
Uh, yeah, a good test. I think if we play well, we can beat them. But also, if uh, if Kansas City plays like they were during stretches last season, it's going to be a very hard game. All right. Uh, do we want to jump into some other other roster notes real quick? Yeah, we got a couple quick closing notes. Um, one of the things, for some reason, I just remembered this. So do you want to start giving uh, fantasy soccer advice to people? Because apparently you're a wizard at it now. <laughs> I I don't know what I'm doing, and I just got really lucky by captaining Nani this week and also picking Cade Cal, who had a million points. Yeah, that's great. So Landon was the finished first out of what? F- I think there's 48 people in the Los Verdes uh, Fantasy League, including some people who are really, really serious about it. So congratulations to you on having a good week. I think this week I also was like top four or five in like the entire official Austin FC league too, which anybody else in the league, don't worry. I'm going to forget (laughs) to set my lineup in about 13 days and it'll all be downhill from there. So nothing to worry about here. Okay. So other than that, beyond that, let's talk about uh, Ulysses Segura, who we hadn't heard from and hadn't seen, um, you know, really heard any news about until this week. It was kind of a secondary announcement to the sweat announcement in his surgery. So we had osteochondral allograft transplantation surgery in his left knee. Um, and I think you looked that up? Yeah, it's essentially like um, cartilage replacement. And so they'll actually graft uh, cartilage from a cadaver knee into his knee. And I think it's like anywhere from... It's like a six weeks minimum on crutches, like before you even start rehab. And so he's going to be out for quite a while, um, potentially the whole season. And so that was discouraging to hear. And then also alongside the the sweat news. Um, but yeah, it's it doesn't seem like it's great. Maybe he would be able to come back at the end of the season, but um, he might be out for the whole thing. Yeah, I guess the only good thing about that is the what we've seen never had Segura in the lineup, right? It's not like Ben Sweat where yeah, you know, you had a rotation and you understood where he fit, but you know, they kind of constructed this roster. I mean, you had to think they've known that all along, so they they built this roster with some contingency for maybe we would have uh, him around or maybe not. Yeah, yeah, and just you can see a situation finishing up these this season. And coming into next season with a few of these guys who didn't play this whole season, it's almost like new signings coming in. Like we already have this established this established team, and then these guys can kind of slot in as depth, which it's not they're not scrubs. Ulysses Segura is a regular starter in the league for the last few years. Yeah, who'd be getting and one other thing I wanted to talk about. So I went to the Verde store um on Friday, and I would encourage everybody to go, although I know the lines over the weekend were insane. But there's a lot of really good stuff. We spent way too much money. I think a lot of other people did that too. Um, and I just ended up running into a bunch of... Because I think Friday was the season ticket holder um, preview. So like mm-hmm. I ran into a bunch of people I'd seen in Denver the week before. And then also like a, you know three or four people I haven't seen since like when we were hanging at City Hall together. So it was kind of nice yeah. to have this like get everybody back together and sort of enjoy this experience. And then if you follow anybody on Instagram uh, or Twitter, everybody has a shot. Because you come, you go into the store through the outside, but then you exit 
sort of from outside the North Concourse. So when you walk out of the store, you get that view of the supporter section and the ATX, which I saw like a hundred, you know, Instagram photos of that. So it's really good if you haven't had a stadium tour and just want to like get the chance to see what everything looks like right now, go shopping and, and you can get a look at it without, <laughs> without being able to walk around. But it's a really great view of the whole uh, whole stadium. All right. Anything else, Jeremiah? No, let's close it out. All right. We would like to rem- remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we're still doing our uh, our deal where if you leave us a review, we're going to give $5 donation to the Central Texas Food Bank, and we'll send you some stickers. I think we've gotten we've gotten quite a few, maybe 12 to 15 reviews so far. Uh, was there any that you wanted to highlight this week, Jeremiah? I don't know. I didn't have any from this week. I just I appreciate everybody's review. Um they're they're nice, they're helpful. People seem to like what we're doing, which I also enjoy. Um, you know, here I would like what in this part, because I accidentally I don't know if you've checked our DMs, because that's usually where the reviews come from. But I had a very long conversation with the Fight and Leslie's uh drinking oh. club, <laughs> which I thought was from my personal Twitter account, but was actually from Moon Tower. Um so <laughs> shout out to those guys, the Fighting Leslie's drinking uh, I think it's Fighting Leslie's DC for drinking club. Because they have famous Austin crossdresser Leslie Cochran uh, as their as their image, and they they've said they're listeners and enjoy the show. All right, well, thank you, Fighting Leslies. We appreciate it. Um, but yeah, leave us leave us a review. We're going to give five bucks to Central Texas Food Bank. Uh, if you want to continue this conversation, you can find us on Twitter at lvahero87 and at jbentley underscore atx. And then we also uh, opened up a, an Instagram account this week where I posted some pictures and some videos from uh, the trip to Minneapolis. And we're probably going to do some Instagram lives from there in the near future. So another place you can follow us. And then you can also visit the Striker Texas website to find all the latest coverage in Austin FC and also all other Texas soccer. Yeah, the probably the biggest news on that this week is that uh, the JoJo, who's, who's the usual editor, is out of town. And so I think Phil West is editing the site this week. So if you've if all the titles are like bad puns of every article, then you understand why <laughs> the change has suddenly been made. Phil West uh, introduced himself to someone in uh, in Minneapolis this weekend as the incorrigible uncle of Moon Tower Soccer, <laughs> and which is why I didn't feel bad calling him that on on the show because I knew he would wear it as a badge of honor. So I'm glad to see that he's he's using that as as one of his honorifics when he introduces himself to people. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. We're going to be back in one week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will review this Sporting KC game. Hopefully it's a win. And then we'll preview the following game, which is going to be against LA Galaxy, and then cover any news that happens in between now and then. Until then, my name's Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. No one is around.